the service thus far, you probably need to get saved. Amen. <laughs> tell you, man, it's been great. Let's take our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 34. Deuteronomy chapter number 34. And as you're turning tonight, I want to share a prayer request with you. And then I'll read a few verses and we'll get right into the message tonight. Uh, back several months ago, I began doing a study on young adults and on teenagers. And um, matter of fact, I was headed to the Oasis Conference in Greensboro and i done a um, session down there on the importance of youth ministries in our local church. And I believe we need to reach our young people, amen. I don't believe they're our church of tomorrow, they're our church of today because if we don't have them today, we can't train them for tomorrow, amen. But in that, I found a very shocking statistic and I've done a lot more research on it, a lot more study on it. Matter of fact, there's a great book on Already Gone that Ken Ham has put out that deals with it a lot. Um, But 75%, 75% of our young people that was raised in a fundamental home and you can read his book and find all this information, but 75% of them, after they get out of their parents' homes, are not returning to church. 75%. Um, That's an epidemic today that we have in our churches, and we are losing uh, what he says our 20-something-year-olds. And how true that is today... I began, preacher, looking back over the the 12 years that I've been at our church, and I have saw that to be true there at our church. So uh, help us pray. Tomorrow night we're going to be launching a brand new ministry that is designed for that age group, graduating high school to 30 years old. And tomorrow night we're launching that. We're excited about it. It's not just a ministry of our church. Matter of fact, um, there's numerous other churches. I I got um, a call yesterday or a message yesterday from a church in Rad. Virginia, um, that part of them is coming down to it. So I'm very excited about it. If you will, help us pray about that new ministry. We need to reach them, amen. And uh, it disturbs me, and the reason it disturbs me so much is I've got three young people living in my house. I've got one that's fixing to be 16, one that just turned 13, and a seven-year-old that's going on 35. And um, I am concerned because I don't want them. 75% of them, that means one of mine, probably two of mine, according to statistics, will not go back to church after they leave my home. And uh, that should disturb us tonight. That should cause us to think tonight, where are we missing it at? And in that book on Already Gone, he deals with that. Uh, But anyway, you help us pray about that. And uh, we're wanting to incorporate just basic life skills in with the Bible. And tomorrow night, a good friend of mine, Brother Paul Bunky, is coming. He's a financial advisor. And he's actually going to be doing a session on biblical finances tomorrow night and teaching our young people that um, it's okay to make money, but they need to make sure they give God the first part of it. Amen. And he's going to deal with budgeting and all of those things. So you help us pray about it. And uh, I'm excited about it. So do help us pray about that. Deuteronomy 34, really the main reason I even said that was to settle my nerves. (laughs) Uh, If you know what I'm saying, you preachers know what I mean on that. Uh, I've been a nervous wreck all day. Um, uh, We just come out of a two-week tent meeting that God, uh, man, done a great work in. Matter of fact, my seven-year-old and my 15-year-old got saved two weeks ago in that meeting. 
and I thank the Lord for that. And uh, we took off Sunday afternoon and uh, just got away a couple days and we came back today. And uh, I just got a, I, I got a real simple thought on my heart tonight. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I don't say this, uh, I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this because we shouldn't wrestle with the Lord, uh, but we do sometimes. But I have really wrestled with the Lord more on preaching tonight than I have in a long, long time. But I really believe in my heart, this is where he wants us at. And uh, I want to be somewhere else. I want to be preaching a different message. I want to be here, but preaching somewhere else out of the Bible. But the Lord has really just burnt this in my heart. Even as they were singing, man, I was thinking in my mind, I'd like to get up and exhort about 10 minutes and just blow it out and go home. But God will not let me do that tonight. And uh, hey, here's the main thing. I'm going to stand before him. And, and and if it don't go all right here, as long as I pleased him, it'll all be all right. Amen. So you pray for us tonight that God would anoint us as we preach. Let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 34. I want to pick up reading in verse 4 for the sake of time. And I'm watching my clock tonight. The Bible said this in verse number 4. And the Lord said unto him, that him, if you'll go back to verse number 1, you'll find out that it is Moses that God is talking to. And the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Father, I pray over the next few minutes, Lord, that you'd illuminate our minds tonight. God, I really believe in my heart. I'm right where you want me at in the scriptures tonight. And God, I sure don't want to run this thing in the ditch. God, I know it's been a great week. And God, I just want to be obedient to you tonight. God, no doubt in my mind, somebody here needs to hear what you'll have me to say tonight. So I pray that every word would be anointed tonight. I pray that you bridle my mouth, God. Help me to say nothing tonight, God, that you wouldn't want me to say. And only the words, God, that you'd bid me to preach tonight. God, may we understand the seriousness of the last days. May we understand the seriousness of serving you and giving our whole heart to you if we've ever done that before. Oh God, would you help us tonight as only you can and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. When you come to this passage of scripture, we have just read of the death of Moses. Many of us, I'm sure here tonight, are familiar with who Moses is. We find Moses back in Exodus chapter number two uh, when he is born. We find that his mother hid him away. It's been said by many commentators this way that his mother built an ark to save her family uh, and saved a nation. Noah built an ark to save a nation and saved his family, amen. And we read that about Jochebed and what she done. In chapter number three, business gets right down to where it needs to be at and God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, uh, I've brought you here uh, to lead the children out of bondage uh, and out of Egypt's land. You know the story of the children of Israel and the way that they had been there in bondage in Egypt's land and God now uh, raises Moses up uh, uh, to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. Let me just
just stop and say this passing by. Thank God God did raise up a deliverer to get them out of Egypt's land just like God raised up Christ, amen, to get us out of Egypt's land. So as you begin looking at this story, Moses begins this great task of bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt's land. You know that they are headed towards Canaan land. And I, I hope I don't hurt your theology right now, but uh, Canaan land wasn't a picture of heaven. Uh, it's a picture of the victorious Christian life. If it's a picture of heaven, there's death in heaven. There's giants in heaven. There's battles in heaven. There's hardships in heaven. And thank God the heaven I read about don't have none of that. But it's a picture of the victorious Christian life that we can live with the Lord. Moses has now begun that journey and that task of bringing them out. Along the way is where we're gonna look at tonight and see what happens. When you think about the life of Moses, you see the description of Moses as we begin to think about it. You'll find that Moses was a man of faith. He chose a faith in Hebrews. He choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He was a man of faith. When you think about his personal life tonight, in the description of Moses, you'll find that a one side. Uh, he had the friendship with God, a faithfulness to God, and finishes with God. Moses was a man uh, uh, that for a season uh, was in the Lord's will. But when you study him uh, on the other side, you see his failures, you see his fearfulness, and you see his frustrations. And when you think about that, they led Moses down the wrong road. You see his personal life, you see his prayerful leadership. Moses was a man that knew how to talk to God. Moses was a man that spent time with God. You see him at the burning bush in Egypt when blamed. You see him for increased burdens praying. You see him as he prays at Mara that day and God shows him a tree. Boy, what a type of Calvary that is, but I don't have the time to go there. You see Moses in his personal life. But whenever you think about the description of Moses, his personal life, you think about his faith, you think about all the prayerful leaderships that you see, all of that is great and that's normally what we see in Moses' life. But can I submit something to you tonight? There was also Moses' disobedience. Yes, he did serve the Lord. Yes, he did lead the children of Israel out of Egypt's land. He never led them into Canaan though. You see, Moses had a time of disobedience in his life. I'm headed somewhere. When I get there, I'm not gonna stay long. Just stay with me. We need to understand what's happening in chapter 34 right here. Moses' disobedience. Whenever we begin to think about Moses, I would say this, there is no good reason for disobedience. There's no, I, I, I hope you'll stay with me tonight. I promise you I want to help you. There's no good reason for disobedience. Have you ever heard this statement? Oh, they're a good person. They just got mixed up with the wrong crowd. There, there, there's no good reason for that. There's no good reason for God telling us to do something and us doing right the opposite of it. And if we're not careful, we'll start to sugarcoat sin and reason out sin. 
But there was no reason for it. In Exodus 17, God told Moses to smite the rock for water. But in Numbers chapter number 20, God told him to speak to the rock. He smote the rock in Exodus 17. But in Numbers chapter number 20, God told him to speak to the rock. Moses in his disobedience, Moses in his frustration as he talks to the people in Numbers chapter number 20 does not speak to the rock, but Moses in Numbers chapter number 20 smites the rock twice in Numbers chapter number 20. God had specifically given him a different order. God had specifically said, speak to the rock. Moses disobeyed God that day. And because of Moses' disobedience to God that day, God gives him a death sentence and says, you're not going to Canaan. Now think about this with me. Whenever I read that and I began to study this in the life of Moses, I thought, why in the world did God give him a death sentence over that? As you begin to study your Bible, matter of fact, Benjamin Keach has got a great book on types and metaphors. If you want to look it up, it's a wonderful book. It's an expensive book, but it's a wonderful book. And this rock is what we call a type in the Old Testament. It is a type of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was smitten, amen, and from him flowed life everlasting. Here's the reason that God got so mad at Moses Here's the reason why. Because Moses messed up the type of Christ in the rock. Christ was never to be smitten twice. Christ will never be smitten twice. Christ was smitten one time and will never be smitten again. Christ died one time and will never die again. Christ rose again one time and will never rise again. Christ ascended back into the heavens one time. Oh, but thank God he is coming back again to get us. And the reason God got so angry with Moses is because he messed up the type of the Son of God. And now that Moses has sinned, and now that Moses has messed up, God said, you're not going to enter Canaan's land. Think about this with me this afternoon. God in His grace forgives our sins. Thank God. God in his grace forgives our sins, but God in his government allows our sins to work out their sad consequences in our life. We may go out in sin and God will forgive us, but hear me and hear me well. There is still consequences to doing wrong. There's still consequences to sin today. There's a phenomenon running around today that says we can live our life in way we want to and God will just forgive us. He will forgive us but if we're the child of God, judgment will come in our life and that judgment came in the life of Moses. F.B. Meyer said this, I love to read F.B. Meyer boy if my school teachers was here they'd have stood up and said you're a liar. I didn't then but the older I get the more I read. Let not the ease of pardon ever tempt thee to think light of sin or to imagine that it leaves no traces on soul or life. If one act 
a mistful anger laid Moses, the friend and servant of God, in the desert grace on the frontiers of the land. What may it not do for thee? You see, Moses messed up. Look with me in chapter number three in Deuteronomy. I'm headed somewhere, and I promise you when I get there, I'm not going to stay there a long time. Look what happens in chapter number three, verse number 23. I besought the Lord at that time, saying, this is Moses. O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might, I pray thee, let me go over. You know what Moses does? He takes him in and he says, God, you really are good. There's nobody else that can do what you do. He said, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that godly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said to me, let it suffice thee, speak, speak no more unto me about this matter. Amen. You know what God said? God said, Moses, don't even pray about it no more. Right. Moses, I'm not doing it. Moses, I'm staying true to my word. I, I thought about this. I, I said this a while ago. I've got three kids in, and uh, man, I love my kids. They're my life. I want them to be with me all the time. I love my kids. I really struggled not having my two oldest tonight. But they're at that age where they want to be at their church on Wednesday nights. And, and so I gave in and let them go there. And I'm struggling with this. God didn't call them to do what I'm doing. And they want to be there. But anyway... And my wife texts during church, it's because one of our kids is text. And I told her it was okay to watch our phone tonight, okay? But a while back, and, and I probably wouldn't say this if she wasn't here, but or if she was here, but a while back, I've got a, a 13-year-old that plays a guitar, and she's not been taking long, and she's really doing good at it, and man, I'm just proud of her. And um, a, a while back, she got a little rebellious streak in her. I, I guess she took after her mama. I don't know, but she got a little rebellious streak in her. Brother Pope, I told her two or three times that over a space of two or three days, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to take that Martin guitar away from you, and you can play that old Johnson that you started out with. And she just kept on and on. You know what happened? One day, she smarted off, and I said, come on. We walked downstairs, and uh, we had a... a Everybody might condemn me right now. But we had a family room that had a big TV in it and a big couch in it down in the basement. And since then, we got right with God and we got rid of all that. We got five straight back chairs, a keyboard, three guitars, and two mandolins down there now. Okay, now you can get back on board with me. <laughs> and I got that Martin guitar off the wall and I put it in the case and I carried it up in my room and I set it in my room and I said, I'm the one that paid for the biggest part of that. I said, you can pay him a little bit of it. I said, matter of fact, I just got my billfold out and I paid her back for the part that she paid for. And I said, I appreciate it. It's mine now. You're not going to act like that. I had to teach her that there was consequences to doing wrong. You know what? About an hour or two daddy, later, Daddy, I love you. You're the best daddy in the world. You know what she was doing? She's trying to sucker me into giving that guitar back to her. You know what Moses was doing? Lord, you're wonderful. 
and he is. And can I just time out and say this? We shouldn't get to that low point in our life that sin has took us to before we say, God, you're wonderful. Lord, you're wonderful. God, you're amazing. God says, Moses, drop it. You're not going into Canaan's land. Don't even ask me about it anymore. When we come to chapter 32, Moses is now, or chapter 34, Moses is now to the place of death. And here's what I want to preach on for about 10 or 15 minutes. Missing God's best for your life. The danger of missing the very best for your life. My daddy said this to me years ago, and what a great compliment for him to say, Brother Alan Barker, tonight. I am not jealous of my dad. I'm not my dad. I can never be my dad. But I sure do love him. Matter of fact, you know what? I am my dad's pastor now. He's just recently uh, resigned from pastor and he's now in mission is evangelism and he joined our church and the first Monday morning I called him and here's what I said. Hey, pal, hey, pal how are you? He said, I'm good. I said, well, listen here. We got a couple church vans over here that needs to be washed and my truck's dirty and you always taught me when I was a preacher in your church that if, I, if you ever needed anything, I'd just done it and didn't ask no questions. So the keys are over the sun vine. I'll see you after a while, young preacher. Come clean the vans up. You say, what happened? He hung up on me. <laughs> if it had been any other of those 12 young preachers in my church, I'd have called them back, but I just laughed about it. <laughs> my dad said this to me a long time ago. He said, boy, the devil will keep you busy doing a good thing to keep you from doing the best thing. I know we're in the Magnify Conference. My heart's desire was to come in here and thus shout tonight. But I'm going to tell you something. We're living in the last days. I believe we're living the last seconds of the last minutes of the last hours of the last days. I believe the coming of the Lord is at hand. And if we've ever done anything for God, if we've ever given our all, if we've ever filled it to the brim, it ought to be right now. We ought to find our place saying, Oh God, help me to give you my best. I don't want to miss God's best for my life. I don't want to miss God's best for my life. Let me show you three things and we'll go home. And I say this to you. There's two ways that the child of God will die. He'll either die grateful, as Paul was when he finished his course, or he'll die grieving as Moses did, looking at what he could have had. Number one, and I don't want you to see the trip of a lifetime. Moses has been on many trips in his life. Matter of fact, I am looking forward after we have bowed around the throne of God for about three million years to sitting down after that and talking to Moses. I would like to know what it was like to see the Red Sea roll back that day. I would like to know what it was like to watch close to three million Israelites and a mixed multitude walk over on dry ground. I'd like to know what it was like to stand back and watch Pharaoh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And can I just say this? One day we will watch Pharaoh and his army be kept back, a bound hand and foot and cast into hell one day. There's all types of typology. When you look at that, but Moses, what was it? Man, he saw some great things. 
He's been on some great trips, man. He was on the backside of a desert. Watched the burning bush. He got a glimpse of the glory of God. Oh, yeah. He was on the mount with God. But Moses, in the first part of chapter 34, goes on a trip like he's never been on. You ever been on one of those trips? Man, you know, you're looking forward to it. Uh, we've got a family in our church that's got a place at Lake Norman. And on Sunday, we had our public officials appreciation day. So we didn't have Sunday night service. And they was gracious enough to let us go down there. And man, we was all excited. We couldn't wait. Sunday afternoon, man, we jumped in the car. And it was nice just to be able to drive an hour and be somewhere and relax for a little while. Normally, on my kids, it's 17 hours to be able to relax. We got down there. And on Sunday afternoon, we walked out to the boat dock. They had a 26-foot party barge, man. And I think I backslid because I didn't even take a fishing rod with me. Yeah, that's good preaching. I backslid. I prayed the whole trip that God would forgive me for it. Man, we had, I, I, my wife and I was coming up the road today, and I said, you know what? I said, this has been probably the best little getaway we've ever had. I said, 20 years we've been together and married and our camp. Man, we, it was a trip of a lifetime. I'll tell you something, Moses goes on the trip of a lifetime right here. Whenever you read verse number one through four or verse three, I'm not going to take the time to read it all. Here's what happens just in passing. Moses is taken apart on a mountain. And Moses stands on top of that mountain and he had a vision like he had never had before. And you know what that vision was? God allowed Moses in chapter 34 in the first three verses to see all of Canaan's land. I say it this way, and I, I, I'm, I, don't, I, I, I have visions every once in a while. When I, I, the other night after the tent meeting, I went and got a cup of coffee. That's what Brian Caldwell talks you into doing at 10.30 at night. I went and got a cup of coffee, and then I went home, and I ate a great big bowl of Czech cereal. And when I got done with that, I ate a great big bowl of guacamole. I had visions all night. I'm still having visions from that. I woke up the next morning, and I looked at my wife. I said, that is the dumbest thing I have ever done, I believe. But Moses gets a vision, and i say it this way. It was a supernatural vision because God touched his eyes to allow him to see everything in Cana when you study that out. When you look at those geographical locations, he sees everything. You say, preacher, why was this the trip of a lifetime? And why was this a vision of a lifetime? Because God let Moses see what Moses could have had. I'm going to ask you this question tonight. What if God took us up on a mountain? And even though we've been faithful, Moses was faithful. Moses is mentioned in Hebrews 11, and it's just not an honorable mention. He's got several verses. Matter of fact, Moses, and we'll see this in a minute, is the friend of God, according to verse number 10. I wonder if God took us up on a mountain. I pastor in the mountains. And if you go right past our church and turn to the left, there's a place called Paradise Mountain. 
You can go back up into the top of Paradise Mountain. When you first turn in, you think there's nothing there. And literally, when you get in there, there's millions of dollars worth of cabins. Matter of fact, there's one that's almost 10,000 square feet in there. And when you get to the top of that, you can get out. Then you can walk onto the top. And when you get to the top of that, it's one of the most beautiful sights that you'll see, man. You can see, it seems like forever. And I wonder... If God took me up and let me see everything we could have had at Amazing Grace over the past over the past twelve years, if I just really put my whole heart into it, Moses misses. Oh, yeah, Moses leads God's children out of Egypt. Yeah, he leads them across the Red Sea. They saw some great things. But could you imagine Moses as he stood there that day and saw Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey? As Moses stood there, I wonder what we would see if God took us up on a mountain. I wonder what God would show us. Sir, I wonder what you would see. I wonder how much we didn't do. I wonder. I wonder how many souls that we might see. What preacher I'm telling you, I want to preach a little But I wonder how many souls we would see. Just this past Monday in our county, there was a tragic apartment fire. I'm sure you've seen it all over the news. Three was killed in it, and there's another one that's died out of it now. And last year, we knocked on those doors. We haven't made it back to them this year, Saturday. That's one of the places we try to hit that city limits every year in Dobson. But I wonder how many people We'd never have reached because we didn't give God everything. Oh, we may be men of faith. We may be sitting in church on a Wednesday night in Magnify Conference, and I promise you, I want to be shouting right now, but I've got to obey the Lord. I understand that. I walked down the hall downstairs and saw all the mission plaques. I understand there's a beautiful building that's going up and praise God for all of it. But have we give him everything? He had a vision. And in that vision, he also heard a voice. And that voice was a voice of faithfulness because God said no. And therefore, Moses never entered Canaan's land. Number one, he had the troop of a lifetime. Number two, I promise you, I'm moving fast. There was the tragedy of leaving. There was the tragedy of leaving. In verse number four through verse number eight or in verse number five, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. It's where Moses dies at. Can I say this? Moses died in the wrong place. Moab, not Canaan. Moses died 
in Moab, not in Canaan. Moses could have died in Canaan. But because Moses made a mockery of Christ. Typology. He dies in Moab. Preacher, I'm not going to make a mockery of Christ. When God says give that person a track and we don't give them a track, we make a mockery of Christ. When there's something going on down at the house of God and we don't find ourselves there. And I understand there's times that we can't. I understand jobs. I understand sickness. But I'm going to tell you something. Anymore today, our church, our church is just second to everybody else. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, when you if you read that book already gone, you know let me tell you where they're starting to leave. Uh, uh, they done statistics on the us. They studied fundamentalism churches like us. Ken Ham did in this study, and you let me tell you where they're beginning to leave at between middle school uh, and the high school. That's when we're starting to lose them. And you let me tell you, is it okay if I just preach a second? You let me tell you the reason we're losing them right there. It's because we're cramming sports down their throat. And we're running them all over the country on Sundays instead of having them in the house of God. And now we've got an epidemic. Our young people's walking away. Oh, you say I'm in church on Wednesday night. I understand that. But if we're not careful, we'll die in the wrong place. Moses was in the wrong place when he died. He was in Moab. He could have been, he could have been in Canaan, but he was in Moab. Paul died right. Innocent of all men's blood. But what about Moses? What about Samson? Yeah, God blessed Samson again. He sure did. The hair of his head began to grow again. Matter of fact, if the Lord don't change my mind, Friday night, if you want to come to Burnsville, North Carolina, I'm going to preach on the restoration of Samson in a young people's meeting. But you know what happened? Samson missed so much. The only thing he ever got back was his hair. He never got his eyesight back. He never got his freedom back. Yeah, Moses got the touch of God back on his life, but he never entered Canaan. He never entered Canaan. He died in the wrong place. I thought about this. He died in the wrong period. Look at verse number 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, nor his natural face abated. You know what that means? You know what that means? He was still in the prime of his life. We ought to understand where we're at in history. This was not old in that day. Today, 120 is unheard of. But in that day, matter of fact, you study it out. Moses' dad was 137. His grandpa was 133. His great-grandfather was 137. And his great-great-grandfather was 147. Moses died in the wrong period. Moses died a premature death. Why? Because he done directly against what God told him to do. Thought about this. And I, 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 I'm right now done. Moses' life was divided into three 40-year periods. The first 40 in Pharaoh's house as his adopted grandson. The second 40 in Midian as a shepherd. 
and the last 40 leading Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness and finally to the land of Gilead. The first 80 was a time of preparation. The first 40 was preparation in the palace and the next 40 was preparation in the pasture. Then God allowed him 40 years as the president or the leader of Israel. Are you with me? I want to ask you this question. I wonder if Moses had have listened to the voice of God if he would have had 40 years of peacefulness in Canaan. But he didn't, and here's the reason why. He simply did not listen to the voice of God, the tragedy of leaving. He died in the wrong place. He died in the wrong period. But I say this in closing. He died with a wealthy perspective. So, preacher, what do you mean by that? He saw everything he could have had. When I read this, I started studying on this. I called my dad. I said, Dad, you ever studied Deuteronomy 34? And this was my dad's response. When I get to heaven, I want to talk to the Lord about Deuteronomy 34. And whenever he said that, I thought, now I'm really going to study Deuteronomy 34. And I asked dad this question and I said, why? He said, well, are you writing a book? I said, I might be. And chapter three is why. So get to talking since I'm your pastor. (laughs) That comes in handy sometimes. (laughs) Here's what he said. He said, you know, boy, I just don't understand why God let him see it all, but never let him enter it. He said it was kind of like holding a piece of candy out to a kid and talking about how good it was and then putting it back in your pocket and walking off. I wonder tonight, and, and, and I've got some more things wrote down, but I really believe that's where the Lord's brought us to. I wonder tonight this question, and I'm going to get out of the way and turn the service over to the pastor. I wonder if God took you up on a mountain tonight and showed you what you could have had. What would you see? What would we see that guy that played the bass tonight while they were singing? said he was coming to hear me preach, but that proved wrong. He was coming to hear them sing. (laughs) Brother Matt and Brother Charlie sitting back there. Brother Matt's one of our deacons. He leads all the music in our church now. Just faithful faithful servant of the Lord to me at the church. Him and Miss Mandy is. Brother Matt, I wonder if God took you up on a mountain and showed you the Sunday school class that you teach. I wonder if it'd be, and just pardon my low gap language for a little while, I wonder if it'd be any fuller than what it is. Preacher, if he took us up on a mountain tonight and showed us everything we could have had, I wonder if our ministries would have bloomed more than what they're blooming. And I thank God for what he's doing. I'm not discrediting God. I thank the Lord. The past 18 months, God's allowed me to do more than I've ever done in my ministry, and I stand amazed. I'm thankful for it. 
But at the same time, every time I read Deuteronomy 34, I wonder, I wonder what it could have been. I wonder if we built in 2017, I wonder if we'd have built the first couple years I was there. The Lord's hopefully in the near future going to allow us to build again. But I wonder, thank God for what, thank God for what's happening at Calvary. Thank God this man, I, I say this and you're going to take it comical, but I mean it. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Amen. That's what I want to be. I want to be what he, his wisdom, his enthusiasm, his knowledge of the scripture, his passion. So I am not saying that he's not doing everything. There's no doubt he's pouring his heart into this. But I wonder about the rest of the church tonight. The danger, the danger of missing God's best. It could be so much more. Your class could be so much more. And if God, if God let us see, what would we see? Father, I love you tonight. And Lord, from the depths of my heart, I believe I've obeyed you. God, I pray that you take my feeble efforts, Lord, and as the pastor comes to give the invitation to his congregation, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless him. I pray, God, that you give him the mind of Christ on the rest of the service. God, may all of us find our place in an altar wanting to give you everything. Lord, the life of Jim Elliott and his dear wife that went back into that jungle and won those people. God, it should drive, oh God, it should drive us to do more than we've ever done. In Jesus' name, preacher. Our heads are bowed. Let's all stand around the house tonight. The altar's filled. Many have come. Boy, I had to kneel tonight. I know that. You're here this evening, and God is speaking to your heart. Why don't you join these many that are in the altar tonight? Would you come while we wait? Man, are we giving it our are we giving it our all? A hundred percent. If not tonight, man, let's let's do business. Listen, this is what this is what Magnify Conference is all about. The preacher was right on target tonight. Absolutely, 100%. If you need to come, the altar's open. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Then I want to encourage you to come. We'd love to take the Bible and show you how to be saved tonight. Would you come? God's still working. God's still working. Would you come? Just come as far as you can tonight. What a message. Maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to tiptoe down to this altar and just rededicate your life to Christ. 
Preacher, by the grace of God, I am not going to miss the perfect will of God for my life. I'm not going to do it. The devil's trying to get me sort of sidetracked, but by the grace of God, I'm not going to do it tonight. We're going to pause. We're going to pause just for just for a little bit. If you need to come, the altar's open. Just come on and mind the Lord tonight. You come while we wait.